When I was with Dr. Sam Huddleston last night in the monitor room, I said to him, Doctor, how would you like for me to introduce you? And he gave me three statements. Tell the people that I have been married for 42 years. Come on, that's, that's great and that's wonderful. <laughs> Second, he said, tell the people that I have 13 grandchildren. Come on. <laughs> and to remind you, because of that, he's broke after every Christmas celebration. And the third thing he said, tell the people that I love Jesus. Let's welcome Dr. Sam Huddleston as he comes to minister to us this morning. Please be seated. A picture coming up of my entire family in front of the Capitol building there in Sacramento. That's all of them, all 20 of us, eight girls, five boys, so many miracles, so many miracles in our, in our, in our family, and God has been really good to us. He's broken curses off our family that have been kind of riding our family for years. Our oldest granddaughter is graduating from Missoula Pacific this coming May. Our youngest is in, what grade is she in? She's seven. And I'm just, I, listen, I'm blessed if I remember all their names. When they all come over, I'll say sometimes, hey, um, Cammy, Kaylin, uh, uh, and sometimes I even throw one of my sister's names, Rana, Cynthia, and they just, I say, you know who I'm talking about, come over here. And one day I was really blessed because my daughter, she has five of the 13, her and her husband. Uh, thank God he's an attorney. And, um, and I was, she was calling them, and she called about three names. And finally I looked at her, I said, you know, I don't feel so bad now. And, uh, and then she looked at one of them and said, you know, it would be easier on you if you just came the first time I called you. Well, Mom, you didn't call my name, but you knew who I was talking to. I'm truly blessed. My wife, Linda, is here with me. We are truly blessed. Truly, truly, truly. And then to have the honor to be here on this special occasion. Um, you know, I called, I emailed Pastor Kenny. I said, hey, I, I, you know, your dad, I understand. If we need to reschedule or whatever, it's fine. He goes, no. You know, you know how he is. He said, we, we just want you to just come on. So it's an honor beyond words for me uh, to be here with you today. For many of you, just like myself, this has been a challenging uh, year. Uh, and I'm going to make it personal. I may not preach a really good sermon, but I'm going to tell you some good stories. My role as a national leader uh, within the Assemblies of God, it necessitates that I keep abreast of what's going on in the church, not just in America, but around the world and also what's going on in the political arena. I've wrestled this past year with anger, frustration, disappointment, and, and even racism, gender, all kinds of things. Some of it began with a comment by my 16-year-old granddaughter. We were just sitting up talking one day, and she just looked at me with those big, pretty eyes. She said, Papa? I said, yes, baby. She says, uh, I just... I just feel like we're going to be slaves again. And uh, 
This has nothing to do with my sermon this morning. Some nice boots, man. Some nice boots. I got ADD and all the rest of that stuff, okay? So y'all just roll with me. I'm going to get where I'm going now, okay? I feel, now that I've confessed that, that bothered me ever since I looked over and saw his feet. Now I've got it out. I'm okay now, brother. All right? I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. But I've wrestled with all this negative stuff going on inside of me because she says, Papa, I feel like we're going to be slaves again. And I'm thinking, when I was 16 years old, being a slave wasn't even a conscious thought of mine. And I started thinking, where did that come from? Where does a thought like that come on a 16-year-old child? I saw the fear in her eyes. And I couldn't even respond. Had I responded, I would have had to ask her and God to forgive me. And I just, I mean, literally... I just, I didn't know how to respond. And I'm not sure I ever did respond except, honey, that, 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 that ain't gonna ever happen. Don't worry about that. And as I thought about it, the Lord took me on a historical trip that I want to take you on with me this morning. Would you pray with me, please? Now, Lord, it is a high honor to be in this house this morning. I thank you. You know it is never my intent to embarrass or to offend anyone, especially this day. And so I pray that you will grace my lips with your presence and that you will help me. You will help me to communicate in a way that will bring honor to you. And to that end, I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was 19 years old. I had just given my life to Jesus. Now, they told me in the back that this, this, this service claps on everything. Okay. <laughs> All I said was I was 19 years old. Somebody started clapping, okay? <laughs> don't do that. It's, it's going to stretch this thing out, and we don't have that much time, all right? My friends and I, we had what was called, we had a little study group. And we would talk incessantly about what was going on in the world. We talked about church. We talked about politics. Watergate was right, at, uh, right in the middle of Watergate. Uh, when I'd give my life to the Lord, we talked about crime, race, gender issues. We talked about everything. And the more we talked about those issues, the more we took our focus off of God and we, be, and, and, and we put our focus on the temporal. These issues that would outlive all of us. And we realized that, but, but we, we realized we needed to change things around. We needed to put our focus back on God and, and uh, back on God and just glance at these, these issues here. And it happened one day when a friend came up and he says, you scholars ought to read maybe Romans 13, 1 through 7. It's coming up on the screens. I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going I'm to just pull out some salient points of what those scriptures say. He says, let everyone be subject or submitted to the governing authorities. God has established all authority. Rebelling against authority is rebelling against God. If you rebel, you will bring judgment on yourself. If you do right, you don't have to fear authority or get scared when the red light comes on behind you because you know you only did, the only thing you did was get a ticket. You have to be afraid of the popo. <laughs> the one with the authority, the Bible says, is a servant of God. It says that in Romans. And living under authority, you will have a clear conscience. This is one reason we pay taxes and give everyone that is owed to them taxes, revenue, respect, honor, etc., etc. Paul says that in Romans. What we found in our study group as young Christians, and 
And basically, you know, when you're young and you first give your life to the Lord, you are one dangerous creature. You just are dangerous. You, you know everything. And I knew everything and didn't realize how wise I really was till I got older. But we, what we found crazy as we studied these verses that Paul wrote these words from a prison cell in Rome. He felt like his mission or calling was to help the church understand its purpose. And his words were so powerful that we're studying them and reading them even today, and I'm talking about them this morning. Paul writes these words with this backdrop. Roman society was basically two-tiered. Upper class consisting of aristocrats, doctors, lawyers, lawyers, philosophers, landowners, government officials, and then you had the poor. The family was the most important society group in the entire empire. Immorality prevailed in the empire. Sexual sin in all forms was common. There were high rates of divorce and murder. Sound familiar? It is established, estimated rather, that out of the 900,000 people that lived in Rome at the time, between 300 and 350,000 of them were slaves. And with this backdrop, Paul writes to the church, let everyone be subjected or submitted to the governing authority. You have got to be kidding. I just want to yell back through time and say, Paul, you've been locked up way too long. You don't know what's going on out here in society. How could he say those things? And the more we looked at it, the more we studied, the more we read, we realized that the apostle Paul Went on to say, let everyone be subjected, let them be submitted to the governing power. How could he say that? Because he had been changed. See, he didn't just come to church. He had an encounter with the Holy One of Israel. He had been knocked off his horse and struck blind for three days. And I don't know what kind of encounter he had with God, but all I know is this. When he could finally see, he knew that the God that had knocked him off his horse, that had brought life to him, and that had brought light back to him was more powerful than any Roman empire or any empire or nation to come. And he thought that if he wrote this down, that it would have, we could pick up on this and be better followers of Christ today. And I, I, I didn't like that. I, I didn't like it at all. I, I'm, I'm still not jumping over backwards over those words today. And then I read these words in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all the people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is God and pleases. This is good and pleases God our Savior. <laughs> My granddaughter says, I fear we will be slaves again. And I'm struggling as her grand pastor, preacher, man of God, God, grandfather, I'm struggling, and it lost my peace. You know that peace that surpasses all human understanding? I lost that. And I was unknowingly disrupting, now listen to me, parents and grandparents, I was unknowingly disrupting the peace of those around me. Then I read where it says, pray for your leaders. <laughs> God, you got to be kidding my problem was at that time, I was 19, I couldn't see into the future. I still can't see into the future apart from reading and studying the, the Word of God. I was a new believer. But all these years later, I still wrestle with one word. When it comes to me and God, I wrestle with one word. Here's that word, trust. 
told my wife one day, God and I have the same plan for my life. She said, what's that? I said, we both have a good plan. He has a plan, I have a plan. And sometimes God will say, go left. I said, no, 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 God, you don't. Let me, let, me, let me help you to see and understand this, God. If I go right, the blessings are this way. And sometimes I feel like God says, then go ahead. Really? Well, just because you said that, I'm going left. <laughs> trust. And trust is based on your focus. Most mornings when my wife prays for me when I go to work, she'll say, Lord, help Sam to keep his focus. Depending on the meeting of the day or what I talked about the night before, sometimes she says, Lord, help Sam to keep his focus, 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 focus. Because <laughs> she knows that stuff is kicked in and I'm all over the, the globe. Focus. Focus is based on, your trust is based on your focus. What do you focus on? I finally told God one day, I just wish we could have this, this junk on the news. I just wish we could have a week without it. God says, you can have a month without it. How's that? Don't watch TV. <laughs> oh, that's, how come I didn't think of that? Because you're too focused on what the media wants you to hear. Often in life, we can't see or understand what God is doing until later. And sometimes we never get to see what he's doing until we're on the other side. Might the Spirit be telling us in this day and age today, do you think I might be up to something on a national and international scale that you can't see? You know, the Bible does say his ways are a little bit higher than our ways and his thoughts are a little bit higher than our thoughts. And could God be saying to the church, if y'all just hang in with me and trust me, you might, see, you might see some stuff. My question to us is, will we trust God and not man? Will we pray? Will you join me in praying for our leaders and praying for America? Will you set the narrative and the tone in your area of influence by your words and by your deeds? Will you do this in your home or your family in your school, or minute, will you be a tone setter and not just somebody who's following the crowd? My friend, Dr. Samuel Rodriguez, in his new book titled Be Light, he says the following. Either we can be the generation of the church who was referred to as the generation of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Either we can be the generation of the church who was referred to as the generation of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or history will say about ours was the generation that touched God. The generation that touched God. And I added, and thereby touched the world. It all depends on your focus. What are you focusing on? What energizes you? What, what, what dominates your conversation throughout the day? Second Chronicles says the following. If my people which are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face, Turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I'll heal their land. My prayer is that the eternal God will help us to recognize that we are alive today as ambassadors of change. You ever stop and ask yourself this question? Some of you have buried some of your siblings. Some of you, like myself, you've buried your father, or you, you know, you, there's cousins that you've buried. You ever ask yourself one question, just one? Why are they gone and you're here? 
I know why. Because God needed somebody as good looking as you to sit in that nice blue seat. <laughs> I think God says, I know what's going to be going on in society in 2018, 2019 and beyond. I know what's going to be going on in the whole region of San Jose. I know what's going to be going on in the state, the nation, the world. And I need a certain group of people who will not capitulate and, and, and bow down to the media and will be able to represent my word because they'll be students of the word. Not students of the media, but they'll be students of my word. And they'll represent me. Therefore, he says, you're alive, you're alive, you're alive, you're alive, you're alive, you're alive. You get to be alive today. Because he says he will empower you with something that will make you an ambassador that will blow the minds of everybody around you. Everybody around you. You and I have to be the people that people come to and say, I just need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody because I can't believe this and I can't believe Are you that person on your job that when someone's going through a problem, people say, you need to go talk to so-and-so. Well, what's wrong with them? Nothing. And when you tell them your problem, it may not change, but I guarantee you'll feel better. There's just something about them. They may not even know it's Jesus Christ in your life. You know, you don't take the big family Bible with the big white Jesus on the front to your job. You don't, you don't do that. So they don't know that you're really a follower of Christ. They just know there's something different about you. A friend of mine retired from the military, and I went to his, uh, I went to his party, and they had this big event in Washington, D.C., and I'm sitting up there, and all of a sudden they start talking about his life. And they introduced me as his pastor. And one of the top brass individuals turns and looks at me, and he says, I knew there was something different about him. I knew there was something different about him. Or maybe this could be you. I cut this out of the newspaper in 2008 in Vallejo. It has the person's name. It's her obituary. It has her name, first name, middle name. They put Payne, last name. 1929, 2008. Blank, born in 1929. Says the city she was born in left us on August the 7th, 2008. She will be met in the afterlife by her husband Raymond, her son Paul Jr., and daughter Ruby. She had no hobbies, no, made no contribution to society, and rarely shared a kind word or deed in her life. This is her obituary. I cut this out of the newspaper. <laughs> I speak for the majority of her family when I say her presence will not be missed by many. Very few tears will be shed, and there will be no lamenting over her passing. Her family will remember her amongst ourselves. We will remember her in our own way, which was mostly sad and troubling times throughout the years. We may have some fond memories of her and perhaps we'll think of those times too. But I truly believe at the end of the day, all of us will really only miss what we never had, a good and kind mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. I hope she is finally at peace with herself. As for the rest of us left behind, I hope this is the beginning of a time of healing and learning to be a family again. There will be no service, there will be no prayers, and no closure for the family. She spent a lifetime tearing apart. We cannot come together in the end to see to it that her grandchildren and great-grandchildren can say their goodbyes. So I say it here for all of us. Goodbye, Mom. What kind of a person are you? You're alive. You're breathing. Maybe you have some pain. You, you, that, that happens when you get older. One comedian said when he was young, if he had a pain in his leg, he'd just do his leg like that and the pain would be gone. He said now when he gets a pain in his leg, he does this and the other one starts having pain. 
It just comes with it. It's the gift of being, you, you, you breathe long enough, there's some pains ain't going away. You can pray fast, seek the heart of God, go see a herbalist and a herbalist and a merbalist and any kind of list you want. That pain ain't going anywhere until you get in the box. So learn to enjoy it. I have a relative, I'll call and say, hey, why don't you come over? Oh, I'm feeling bad. You're going to feel bad if you stay at home. You might as well get in the car, drive to my house, and feel bad at my house. My God, you're still breathing. If my people, he says, that are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. God says this, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. You are an ambassador of change, not an ambassador of grump, not an ambassador of negativity, not an ambassador of, I don't know what's going on in the world, man. You know, I'm just mad as you are. You are an ambassador of change. He wants to use us to bring about healing and unity and peace and leadership in our nation today. And our nation needs peace and healing. And we don't need another flood. We don't need another, we don't need another fire. We don't need any of those things. And God says that if we, his people, will realize we've been called by his name. I had to come to realize that when I die, I'm not, I'm not going to be a black man anymore. In fact, my mama says I'm not even going to be semis of God anymore. My mama said, boy, <laughs> I don't know what kind of religion you got, but when you, you was born a Baptist and you're going to die a Baptist. So I had a meeting one day with some of my Simmons of God friends in my office. I said, see, y'all think I'm Simmons of God, don't you? Well, yeah. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I called my mother and put on a speakerphone. I have to let her know that she's on a speakerphone because she's a good Baptist. <laughs> you should have told me I was on that speakerphone, boy. I said, Mama, I'm meeting with some of my friends. They like to know what kind of religion I have right now. She said, you a Baptist, born a Baptist. You're going to die a Baptist. Why is that? I said, nothing, Mama. I just wanted them to know what I am. Okay, well, all right, baby. They, they want me to come down and tell them in person? No, Mama, we good. Everybody good. <laughs> We, we, we don't need no personal visitation. We're called by his name. We're not called by our political party. We're not called by our ethnicity. We're not called by our gender. We are called by his name. He says that my people, if my people, only my people, that are called by my name, he says that we'll humble ourselves. Some, for some, some of us, as we humble ourselves, it's just how we communicate our views. And I, I, I tell people all the time, I said, you know, when you're, when you're communicating your thoughts and your views... Be humble about it. You could be wrong. My daddy used to say, you can always tell people that are sharing a piece of their mind. They're always going around like they've lost something. <laughs> humble yourselves and pray and pray. I was in college. A preacher came through one day, and he decided to teach all of us, tell us how much time. It was hours he spent every day in prayer, and I, I didn't even have a prayer life. I just prayed, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do. But I was young. I didn't know. No one taught me I'd have a prayer life. So I went home the next morning, set my alarm, got up in the morning, said, I'm going to pray X amount of hours a day. Went in there and got on my knees. After about three or four minutes, I said, dang, man, this carpet is hard. <laughs> dang. I said, you know, God understands. I can just sit here on the couch and pray. So I relaxed on the couch. I leaned back and started praying. I said, man, this is not, this is uncomfortable. So, well, you know, God knows. I'll just turn this way and turn that way and lay it out on the couch. And I said, Lord, I just want to. <sighs> See, I didn't have a plan and I didn't have a tool. So I went to a retreat, a prayer retreat at Mount Hermon, and I got a hold of a manual. It's called the 2959 Prayer Manual. 2959. It's 29 minutes and 59 seconds a day. Well, how do you do that? Well, on Mondays, 
Here's a list of all my family members. I've, when my sons and daughters got ready to get married, I told their spouses, why don't you read my prayer journal? Just the part about him. And when they got done, they said, you've been praying for me all my life, haven't you? I said, I sure have. Then on Tuesdays, there's some, another group I pray for. Then on Wednesdays, I had a plan. Thursdays, I pray for all my first cousins. Wednesdays, I pray for all of our political figures. I used to pray, Lord, I pray for the president. I pray for his beautiful wife. I pray for the, the, all the other people and their wives. And then I realized I always prayed for the president's beautiful wife, and the rest of them just had wives. <laughs> so now I changed. I said, Lord, I pray for the president. I pray for uh, his whole cabinet. I pray for their wives. You know who's ugly. You know who's pretty. They're all in your hands. Okay? <laughs> you figure it out and bless them accordingly. Whatever you want to do, God. But I have a plan. I got a plan. Now I have a prayer life. He says, if my people who will call my name realize you've been called by his name, if they will humble themselves, that we will pray and seek his face, not his hand. My wife prays to me before I go to work. She says, Lord, help Sam to seek your face, not your hand. He says, we must turn from our wicked ways. Maybe it's our words. Maybe it's your deeds. Your wicked ways are differently from my wicked ways. And the longer you walk with Jesus, the wicked ways are just sinister because the enemy tries to come in, steal, kill, and destroy. And he comes in in ways that we're not used to. Police are not going to come in and looking for a robber or a thief or burglar. Not in this place. But there are other things that are wicked in our lives. And God says that we will get, turn from our wicked ways. Then God says, this is what he'll do. I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin. I'll heal your land. See, the onus of our country being the country that God has designed for it to be, it's not on somebody in a house. It's on you and I. It's on us. It's on you and you and you and you and you. You know, I've got some older friends, and I'm, ashamed, I'm almost ashamed at the things they, they put on Facebook and Twitter and all the rest. They're, they're not nice. They're not nice things. And they'll be in church on Sunday morning sitting there with that mothball jacket on and everything else, you know, and lifting their hands. And every now and then they'll say, Shandamunda, you know, and they'll just do their thing. But they're destroying people's lives by what they say. Do you understand the power of your words? The power that you have? You know, nobody's really all that gung-ho about your political views. Nobody's all that gung-ho about some of the thoughts that you have that you so willfully share with others as opposed to trying to hear what they're saying without asking questions like, can you help me to understand why do you feel that way? You know, I've never been black. I've never been a woman. I've never had struggles with my sexuality. So I, I don't want to embarrass you or nothing, but I just want you to help me to understand. And then when they get done, just say thank you and walk away. Not, well, now that I've heard your opinion, let me give you mine. Don't set them up. Do you know what that does for people when you just listen to them? Just listen. My daughter and I, years ago, she graduated from high school, and we went to New York, and we're walking through the park there, and there were these two homeless guys, and I said, she said, she said something very negative. I said, but they have a story. She says, I said, they have a story. Would you like to hear it? She says, yes. And I went over. I said, this is my daughter. And I told her that each one of you men had a story. You weren't born here in this park. Would you mind telling her your story? And they both did. And then when they got done, they were offering me some a cigarette or something to drink or 
And I, I said, no, no, thank you, but I really appreciate you telling my daughter your story. You made her a better person. And we walked away. I looked at her. I said, don't you ever forget. Don't you ever forget. Everyone has a story. And you don't have the right to judge them. You do not have that right. So years later, years later, my grandchildren come along, and I take them downtown, and we're feeding the homeless like my grandfather taught me to do. And then they wanted to pray for this man. We prayed for this man. And then we went home, and my daughter found out. She goes, and it was right around Thanksgiving time. She said, Daddy, you know what would really be good? This is the same one that went with me through the park in New York. I said, what, baby? She said, when the grandbabies came over here on Thanksgiving Day, that if he would be sitting in the house, the homeless man, in my chair watching football, eating my turkey. That's something, that, that's something that Pastor Kenny Foreman would do, but not Pastor Sammy Huddleston would do. <laughs> Where do you go find a homeless person? There's not like a village. You gotta, so I go in Sacramento, I'm driving around. I find him. I literally find him. They say there's no such thing as a dumb question. I'm about to give you two. Hey, buddy, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? <laughs> Second question, would you like to come to my house? Sure. Where do I need to pick you up at? I will be coming out of the methadone clinic at such and such a time. I'm thinking, Methadone? You gonna come to my house high as a kite? I don't say that though. I said, okay. The kids come to the house. My daughter comes to the house. I only have one daughter. I got two knuckleheads and a daughter. And when she walked, do anything for my baby. She walked in, she saw the man, the grandbabies came in. They all, he sat there all day in my big old chair, had on my pajamas, I mean my coat, because I washed his clothes and eating my turkey. And at the end of the day, one of my grandbabies, they're all young. Kids don't know what they're saying. They really don't. She looks around and says, Papa. You know, you and Nani have this big house. How come Mr. So-and-so can't just stay with you guys? And I said, oh, he wouldn't want to stay here. Now, he looked at me like I lost my mind. Are you crazy? Sitting up here with your clothes on in your chair watching that big old TV? Man, I don't want to go back out to them streets. Kids, watch us. I watched my grandfather. My grandkids watched me. And See, I got my peace back. I put my faith and my trust where it belonged in the incredible omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. My granddaughter got her peace back by becoming involved in a church group on campus at her school, and now she's one of the leaders. She got her peace back because she got her focus back. Wasn't on mama, wasn't on daddy, wasn't on grandparents. It was between her and God. I'm asking you for the next 30 days that you would join me in honoring our late Pastor Kenny Foreman by praying daily for our nation and for our leaders, beginning with the ones you dislike the most. Oh, I love them all. Now you're lying. Ask God to forgive you for lying. Okay? <laughs> Ask God to forgive What would happen if we watched less news and read or listened to the Bible more? Let's see if God won't give us our rightful place the place Pastor Kenny Foreman desired when he began passing this multi-ethnic community, not the church, the community, so many years ago. Let's begin in our private time at home. Let's, let's ask God to change our focus. May this church become the powerful institution it was meant to be. Pastor Kenny Foreman and Shirley, they gave their life believing that Cathedral of Faith could and would be an eternal could make an eternal difference in this region, in this state, in this nation, and the world. He started out by just caring for people. You know, he started out in St. Louis, Missouri, trying to put together a multi-ethnic church. Wasn't too popular back then, but that one was in his heart. 
and he got to live to see this. You are his legacy. This building is not his legacy. You are his legacy. He was doing this before it was in vogue. He believed the Bible when it says, if my people will, I will. My friend, come back on the musicians. If my people will, he will. If my people will, he says, I will. And some of you will leave here and you'll still be, oh, you'll be upset with me. That's okay, I can handle it. I got 13 grandbabies that think I'll walk on water. (laughs) Ain't ain't nothing you can say to bother me. I got a wife who's loved me for 42 years and and knows everything about me. Everything about me. All I know is this. My community, where I live, they're in turmoil. They need what I have. And I wake up in the morning and say, God, help me to say something today to somebody in my community, somebody that I'll meet that'll help them have peace. Help me to help them understand, Lord, this ain't it. That doesn't matter who's in what house, who's in there, who doesn't matter who's in what political authority, that it's still not going to last. But that we're headed to a city whose builder maker is God himself. That there's a day coming when you're going to split the eastern skies and those that have done righteous will go to heaven with you and those that have not will go to a place separated from you. God, I don't want anybody to go there and I don't want my viewpoint to stop them. I don't want my viewpoint to hinder them. God, I can handle this, so help me. Help me. So here's, here's my altar call to you this morning. If you would just say, you know what? I can do that for 30 days. I can take a few minutes out of my day every day and pray for our political leaders. I can, I can take a few minutes out of my, my day and, 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 and not watch in CNN or NBC, whatever it is you watch and spend that time reading the word and praying. If that would be you, and we do this in honor of Pastor Kenny Foreman, I just want you to stand. I want to pray for you. I'm done. Let me pray for you. This is not a guilt thing or anything else. I want you to think about it. This region, please hear my heart. San Jose needs what you have to offer. Grandpa, you're a grandpa for a reason. Grandbabies need what you have to offer, and the neighbor boy needs it too. Grandma, they're listening to you. They're still watching how you treat their grandfather. And those little girls are going to grow up and treat their husbands the same way you treat their grandpa. The neighbors are watching how you handle the tragedies that come into your life. They're watching you. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. His name is not, you throw something else. That's not it. His name is Jesus. And if we can just live our lives filled with the joy of the Lord and the strength that he gives us, even when we have to experience pain. Kurt and Ken, the pastors here, they got to experience pain. It'll be a great service next week and you all will be here and I hope you bring your breakfast and come early because this place is going to fill up. But you're watching them too. They know that. The wives, the children, the great-grandchildren, they're watching Why don't we just be the church that God wants us to be so that those that really need what we have to offer can get that. So, Father, I give you praise. I give you honor. I give you glory. I pray for this church. I pray for these people, my brothers and my sisters. We together pray for our president. We pray for his cabinet. We pray for our nation. Our nation needs a touch of the Holy One of Israel. Lord, while you're touching our nation, would you touch Sister Shirley? Would 
that you touch Pastor Ken and Pastor Kurt and their spouses, the children, grandchildren. And I pray that when they gather in this house next Saturday, that the angels themselves will come into this place. And I pray that the prayers we'll pray over the next 30 days will bring glory and will bring honor to you as we honor a man of God who sacrificed his entire life to reach this region, this state, this nation, and the world. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, Dr. Sam Huddleston. I told you he'd bring you the word.